Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh. This is Bobby Okereke, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. What a big Sunday it was for the Indianapolis Colts. They take home the win, 34-27, over the Jacksonville Jaguars. We are going to be on here discussing that game and much more for you guys today. But before we do that, make sure you drop a comment in the comment section below if you are watching on YouTube. Let us know your thoughts on the game. Who was the big best player of the game? What was the biggest moment? Tell us how you think it went. Also, if you're not already, make sure you leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We are much appreciative of that and the support you guys bring to the Blue Stable. As always, Michael Pivia here with you guys and joined by me as always, Marcus, a.k.a. Culture Shock. Marcus, how was this Sunday today, especially with the Colts win? Uh, it was so it was so relieving. It was so relieving, like the things we talked about in the last show and they put it into effect this game. Everything was just smooth sailing and it's exactly how we wanted the Colts to perform on the offensive side. So I feel great right now, man. I'm on cloud nine. On cloud nine, indeed, man. I think we all were uh, after after that game, especially with, with the big play. We're going to jot it all down for you guys. We're going to break it all down for you. You know how we do it, what we liked, what we didn't like, and what we're going to start off with. Uh, re- real quick, man, there's – before we get into that, I got to get your thoughts because obviously it was a big, uh, very big topic on Colts Twitter did you catch Alabama and Tennessee? Uh, no, but I, I figured it was a shootout. I'm pretty sure that's usually how college football go. It was a shootout. Tennessee ended up winning 52-49, to 49, last second field goal, and the talk of the town was Hendon Hooker. You know, everybody is excited for the new guy on the block. There's always, you know, a couple prospects every year that come out of the blue that you weren't thinking of, that you didn't see coming, and Hendon Hooker seems like one of those guys he is definitely probably a fan favorite amongst Colts Nation. That was a big topic of the weekend. But I did want to just get get your thoughts on that uh, before we get into this game because a lot of people, you who are watching this, do you want Hendon Hooker to be the next quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts? Do you want him to get drafted to Indianapolis? If not, who is the one quarterback that you guys want to be in Indianapolis this coming April of the draft? So make sure you comment down below. And let us know. So let's kick this thing off. What we liked, starting off with the passing attack, man. Uh, it, I should start this off by 
six games into his tenure, Matt Ryan has set a franchise record for most completions in a game for the Indianapolis Colts at 41. Everything was quick. Everything was out quick. And you kind of saw that, you know, Frank Reich took a different approach to this game, get the ball out quick. He wasn't trying to take the deep shots, the deep shots over the middle. Everything was was drag routes. Everything was get the ball out quick, out into the flat or the drag over the middle. And if you go over the next-gen stats, like you could literally tell everything was based on the middle, going outside. But your biggest takeaway from the passing attack, what, what was your favorite part about it? The layups. We, we The layups, like, it was perfect, man. Like, the passing attack was everything the coach fan wanted from Matt Bryan when we acquired him in the offseason. Everyone was talking about how he could hit the underneath, how he could hit his special targets in the tight end group. And everything was just on all cylinders. Another thing I really liked was the tempo of the offense. The tempo of the offense, realizing how your offensive line has struggled recently and the rotations that you adjusted to, all of that going into the pace of the offense was just like it was just butter and it was a thing of art. And it, uh, all of those things that motioned into it, you realize that Matt Ryan didn't get sacked all game. And that just shows you what the potential could be if you make those adjustments and you figure all of that out and just let Matt Ryan play football. I was never worried about Matt Ryan's throwing ability or his bad habits when it comes to holding on to the football and all those things. He still has it, but he didn't have an offensive line. And that was the issue I was begging for and screaming about for six weeks. I've been screaming about it. I say the offensive line has broken him and he's just going to be broken from there. But you see what can happen, what the potential could be if he has protection. And I love the offense. And that was the reason why we won today. Yeah, I I thought the biggest thing, obviously, Michael Pittman having a stat line, uh, 13 catches for 134 yards, both going for a career high in both categories. He he showed wide receiver number one potential. Like if he has, if he's not that already, I think the biggest thing for, for it was I counted looking at my notes here four big time first down catches for him being found on third down. One was a third and three, third and five, third and nine, and uh, third an, another third and nine. So basically, he's being found. He's the number one guy. And he's just showing you that, okay, he's starting to beat some some double coverage. He's starting to beat some man-to-man that teams like to throw at him. And another aspect was Deion Jackson got more involved in one game than Naheem Hines did. That That's just something like, okay, where is that game plan for Naheem Hines? Why is he not getting receptions like Deion Jackson got? Deion Jackson had 10 receptions, not 10 r- carries. 10 receptions, which is great to see for Deion Jackson. It shows that, you know, if let, let's just say if he's not brought back in the offseason, he I think he won himself a roster spot for next year and for the rest of his career. Obviously, we want the best for Deion Jackson forever and always. 10 receptions for 79 yards. This guy came out and played very well. You know, the ball came out very quick. And that was another thing where the ball was coming out quick. They obviously opened the game with tons of tempo. Didn't necessarily get too much going on the first drives, on the first two drives, rather. Didn't get too much going, but once they started getting the ball out quick, started going to Phillip Lindsay, started going to Deion Jackson, started going to uh, Alec Pierce, Kylan Granson. Going back to Phillip Lindsay, he had three catches as well. 
So the fact that the running back group had 13 catches altogether clearly shows that getting the ball out and, as you said, the layups, just get the ball out quick. Don't take sacks. Don't take, you know, hold on to the ball too long and, and risk a fumble. It could it shows that Matt Ryan is correcting some of that stuff, some of those errors that he's shown in the past. Well, not the past, but the last like five weeks, right? In, into the season. So he was on pace for to shatter that record. He's still on pace to shatter that fumble record. But today, getting the ball out, and, and what about Alec Pierce, man? He was the talk of the day. Uh surprisingly, to to, to my surprise, he was. I'm not sure why people weren't talking about Michael Pittman more, but again, it, it, the the love for rookies goes above any other player. Rookies get praised so much. Jelani Woods, Alec Pierce, Rodney Thomas right here, his biggest fan, Bernard Ryman. I mean, guys get praised who are rookies. But for Alec Pierce, two big-time catches, I believe when Indianapolis was trying to get the uh get the rhythm going coming out in the second quarter uh it was a big first down catch to keep the chains moving and they eventually scored on that drive and that was a big catch Alec Pierce being found for first downs and then obviously the game winner beating press man coverage that was a monumental call like were you surprised that Frank Reich called that like just one-on-one. If Alec Pierce has one-on-one, take that shot. We'll take our chances. I was extremely shocked because, I mean, first of all, we got to give credit. Matt Ryan had three years to throw that football. So somebody could have got – somebody could have been covered up and he had enough time to wait for them to get adjusted to get open. So that's the first thing. But I was shocked that the ball and that play call was designed and it shows you how much faith you have in Alec Pierce in a jump ball situation that I might add. I mean, you would think that was to Michael Pittman Jr. or Jelani Woods like it was early when Woods scored. But the fact that that was designed for Alec Pierce and he beat Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin, it was just, it was, a, it was a piece of art. It was artwork. And it was like, man, where was this at three to four weeks ago? Like, we could have been, we could have had all of this rolling. But, of course, you have to have time to adjust to these things. I was extremely shocked by that play. And I was extremely grateful that Alec Pierce caught that and beat the coverage. And it was just a thing of art. Like Alec Pierce living up to the hype, filling in big shoes, by the way, as a rookie. And what we all was trying to expect and see what he could do potentially going into this year. Him stepping up to this role and actually just delivering each and every time he gets the ball is amazing for me. It's, it really is. Yeah, going uh, looking back over my notes, I want to go back to the last play. Well, first off, before I do that, also shout out to Paris Campbell. Kylan Granson, these guys are stepping up. Paris Campbell stat line, seven catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown, mind you. Kylan Granson, four catches for 38. Now, you may not look at four catches for 38 and think, oh, okay, that's solid. But these were monumental catches. These were catches that you didn't think he would make. These were these were plays that Matt Ryan was in trouble. He was about to get sacked, and he finds the window to fit the throw in. And going back to which was just so impressive, which is why getting Matt Ryan, a guy like Matt Ryan matters so much. Going back to the last drive, the game-winning drive, you get the ball back with 2.06 left, right? And so three big throws. Ryan to Pittman, immediately opening, up, opening it up for a first down. 
Okay, you get him over the middle. That me- immediately goes for a first down, right? And then you get uh, and then you get the ball out to Campbell for another first down. Matt Ryan steps up to, into the pocket, makes the throw, gets the first down. You know, going off script a little bit is really big time, and that's kind of what creates a creates better plays and shows that your team, what you as a quarterback, what you can do, and it raises your ceiling when you're able to do that. So also when you get into a third and 10, right, the Colts are now that they might be looking at a field goal or needing to go with the field goal. Third and 10, Matt Ryan's dancing around in the pocket and finds uh, Michael Pittman first down on a third and 10 on a third and 10. And earlier I said two third and nines. One of them was a third and 10, which is what I, uh, I misspoke on that one. That drive right there, those throws clean pockets we'll get to clean pockets here in a minute but i just thought the passing game overall everybody getting involved obviously michael pittman the targets 13 catches 134 he did his thing he is he's coming back into his own showing to get a little bit more healthy each week that goes on and everybody else uh chiming in you got jelani woods getting the touchdown kylan granson paris campbell Alec Pierce obviously going for three for 49 in the game-winning touchdown. And what a tough touchdown, right? I mean, you dropped a a would-be touchdown wide open in week one. You rectify, you write that wrong in a game-winning last-second catch. What a moment for Alec Pierce, man. I'm happy for the rookie out of of Cincinnati, man. He's worked hard, and he's just just showing that deep ball one-on-one down the sideline ability. He's either always a catch or a possible DPI, which is what Michael Pittman was for Carson Wentz last year. And we saw how that always worked. If you're ever in a, if if you're ever in a bundle, throw it up to Michael Pittman, you'll get a DPI. So real good things uh, all around for the passing attack. And obviously Matt Ryan, again, franchise record, 41 completions in the game, moving on here to offensive line. What was your takeaway from the offensive line before uh, well, I'll go ahead and let you go, uh, Marcus. The offensive line, all these dropbacks, real quick. How many dropbacks did Matt Ryan have? He had 58 dropbacks, 58 pass attempts, zero sacks. Your reaction? Stability. Stability was my my immediate reaction and him being comfortable. Like, you see it in Matt Ryan's throwing motions and him stepping up to the pocket, even him rolling out. All of them things was just effortless for Matt Ryan. And I know Matt Ryan is probably at home crying tears of joy because he was actually able to play football without seeing ghosts. Like, Matt Ryan, was I know he was just wishing on a, some type of security on ball protection and actually uh, protection from the offensive line. And him talking about it, being adamant, talking about, you know, holding on to the football, had to be more, you know, be in more control. He had all of these moments in a divisional game in a team that you got blown out by the first meeting. And the second meeting, I mentioned how pretty good they can be at home. The, the Colts shown all those things, and it showed even better that the offensive line, with Matt Pryor being on the inside, he's shown that, you know, if he has a little bit of time to get adjusted, he can play pretty decent football at blocking. Right tackle was pretty straight. Quentin Nelson, was he was all right. But Dennis Kelly at the left tackle, he was pretty decent. They they finally put him in. So, like, my general reaction was just stability. And I loved every single moment of it. Even without Taylor and Hines, I wanted the Colts to pass the football more than running because that's going to be the key to winning anyway. 
with an elite veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan. Like, I, I just enjoyed the protection that he had. I think uh, a pretty big detail that I forgot to – that I left out there when it came to that final drive, that touchdown to Alec Pierce, why it was so gutsy of Frank Reich, that was on a third and 13. You know how many coaches would say, okay – Let's just run up the middle and do, you know, a little bit of position tactics for our kicker. You know, you do you want it on the left hash, the right hash? Do you want it down the middle? And Frank Reich went for the kill shot. And that's one of those plays. I feel like that play was equivalent to going for it on fourth down in 2018 in overtime against the Texans. That's, it, it gave me a little bit of, you know, deja vu with that. And I feel like immediately after the play, Matt Ryan runs, screams over to Frank Reich, and he's hyped. I don't know why. I felt like I, I that that I needed to mention that. Uh, but going back to the offensive line, I was I wasn't necessarily surprised. We talked about it on on the show. Would I keep Matt Pryor uh, on the offensive line, putting him at right guard? I would, but I thought maybe you should probably send a message to the team about, you know, if you're not going to play up to the standard that, that's expected, then you're, you're not going to be playing at all. He started at right guard, and he played pretty damn good uh, there too. The the run blocking was good. The pass blocking w- was okay. I, I thought he held up better than Will Fries or Danny Pinter have uh, in those times that they started there. I think with uh, Pryor, there were a couple of times where he got beat you know, there was a little Josh Allen, you know, clearly trying to get that favorable matchup that they had on the left side of the line uh, in week two. But Matt Pryor held up a lot, a lot better for Ryman. So he got two drives at left tackle. And he was subbed. Going back to my notes here. He was subbed at the three minute, 42 second mark of the first quarter. Marcus, not even in the third. He didn't even go into halftime, and they made an adjustment. They made an adjustment at the beginning of the game in the first quarter. Now, some clarity on it. I believe it was Zach Kiefer that came out and said, you know, initially going in, they were going to talk about, you know, you wanted to, you know, swap out and um, have Bernard Ryman and Dennis Kelly kind of swapping in and out with each other again. Why are you doing that? Why do you continue to mess with the chemistry? Just let the kid start. If he's going to start, then he's going to start. If he's not, then don't play him. That was my whole thing with Matt Pryor. Is that is that not what I said at the beginning of the season, Marcus? If you're going to play him at left tackle, play him at left tackle. But you keep bringing him in the game. Why? No. Dennis Kelly came in, and he never went back out. Never went back out. And to his credit, he's been a vet, Marcus. He He played very well. For Bernard Ryman, again, I just don't think he's ready to start. I don't think he's ready for this level yet. Not yet. It's a bummer. I know. Everybody loves him. He's the rookie. They want to see him play. I get it. But he's not ready. He literally almost got destroyed and driven into Matt Ryan. He got freaking Josh Allen extended his arms and bench pressed that dude off of him. It's nothing against them. I think this offensive line, the starting five, I think you found your starting five. 
for the rest of the season. Marcus, what do you say? I, I agree with you 100%. Like, this offensive line, I think, you know, usually you can experiment maybe two or three games, but after today's performance against a team that literally shut you out and forced you not to make the playoffs last year and beat the crap out of you in the earlier in the season, with this offensive line and what Matt Ryan did, there's no question as to why would you why would you make a change on the offensive line. Like, it was, it was remarkable how good Matt Ryan has gotten <laughs> this game compared to last game or the game before. Like, I mean, he, he was showing flashes when he had moments, but this game in general was perfection for what you would want to see from Matt Ryan. I, I enjoy it. Don't make no changes. Yeah, I thought on the first two drives, Ryman and Smith were both a little shaky uh, to start the game. There was that, I can't remember. Oh, it was that holding call that halted the second, uh, that halted the first drive. Rather, they were they looked like they were going tempo, got a couple first downs and both Ryman and Smith lost their matchups and Smith just held uh, Tracy uh, Trayvon Walker. And it was called back in that room, the drive uh, you, you were forced to punt. So I think it, it I think we're going to table the discussion of Ryan Kelly and Danny Pinter until Ryan Kelly just shows to be a complete liability. I thought this was a better game from him uh you know just individually as a player but at the same time I, I i really enjoyed what i uh saw in him the run blocking the pass blocking held up very nice and i, I i'm not gonna say it's the answer because i still have a little skepticism over ryan kelly and could danny pinter uh take his his, his spot but for right now i feel good going the rest of the way into tennessee and then Carson Wentz coming here uh, before Halloween. So that's going to take care of, you know, what we liked, okay? And passing attack, everybody getting involved there in the offensive line, clearly easily the best performance of uh, of the season. I know a lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, why is Pryor still here? Why is he still on the team? If we're going to be that harsh to Matt Pryor, Marcus, don't you think we should keep that same energy with a particular corner on the defense named Brandon Faison? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I think every Colts fan wants him gone before before Matt Pryor because the offensive line pretty pretty decent. But we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk, talk. Just get talking about it now. Really, get, moving into the stuff that you know we didn't like. All right, moving into the uh, we didn't like uh, segment here. Highlighting Brandon Faison and Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore, I thought, had a decent outing, a really good game in Denver, and then comes back down to earth against Jacksonville. Christian Kirk takes his lunch money. Uh, Freaking Zay Jones takes whatever else he has left after that, and he just doesn't have that great of a game. Missed tackles. Uh, it, it, it was just bad all around. For Brandon Faison, I mean, the the, the leaky coverage is just – what are you doing? The tackling was not good. Uh, breaking on the route is w- was not good at all. Angles were not good. And there was a drive where uh, Jacksonville went down and got a touchdown. The entire drive was because of Brandon Faison allowed it. There was a holding penalty on third and five. It was an incomplete uh, incompletion. Jacksonville's about to punt. Brandon Faison gets called for a hold. Probably would have been an overthrow anyway, but because he held, Jacksonville continued to move the ball and eventually got six points. So, 
You're just sitting there wondering, where is Isaiah Rogers? Why is he not playing more? This is the thing where I thought already dating back to uh, Tennessee, why is Isaiah Rogers not out there? And then you go back to Denver on Thursday night. Why is Isaiah Rogers not out there? Why is Brandon Faison still starting? Like, I, I'm not, you know, there's quite a few people talking about a couple rookies that were drafted in the fifth, sixth round asking why Ballard didn't draft him. I'm not going to go there. Like, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, they would be the answer at outside corner. I'm not going to say that. But you have a guy on roster already who is talented, who is good, who can run with defenders. And you're not playing him as much as you should be. You're playing him because you have to, and the fan base is complaining about it, and maybe Jim Mercer is saying something about it. That's why you're playing him. Why is he not starting, Marcus? Um, definitely has to be the only reason is because he knows Gus Bradley and he's familiar with his system. Now, of course, you may look at that and say, well, I think Isaiah Rogers Sr. knows the system as well, and he's more athletic and he's faster. First of all, he is the fastest corner on the roster, but with his with his height and his somewhat athleticism, I feel like they still use him as a scapegoat, but it's only going to be so much that they're going to use him and he's not going to get the job done that they're not going to get rid of him. I feel like his, his tenure is going to be done after this week. I feel like they're going to make that change like they did with the offensive line situation. Because as the weeks get shorter and it's almost getting closer to the middle of the year towards the playoffs, they're making adjustments on the fly as to what they're going to do to be the best roster for the Colts to try to make any chance at winning the division or winning the playoffs. And I think the announcement for Brandon Faison should be announced somewhat this week after this week's performance when they look at it on film and everything. I think they're going to make that call sooner or later and we're going to see more Isaiah Rogers Sr. But I do think, of course, it has something to do with him knowing Gus Bradley and him coming over from the Raiders with him. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it, it was just poor all around. And it was on that, uh, I believe it was on that first drive. Yeah, it was on that first drive coming out of halftime. And, I mean, he gets called for a hold, a couple bad coverage plays, and then they get down to the one-yard line. Trevor Lawrence, you know, r- runs it in there. And you take and you know you are down thirteen to twenty one now, so now I think what they need to do, honestly, for Kenny Moore, man, I mean, for one game, one good game he's had out of like the what last eight games, eight nine games, you could argue. Again, I go back ever since he got that Pro Bowl nod on Hard Knocks. You know, every they they were. Uh, centered hard knocks was about them at the end of the season everybody watched it I thought ever since that moment his play declined uh took 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 a dive down negatively and it makes you wonder a lot of things that that Jacksonville was able to do today a lot of it had to do with Brandon Faison and Kenny Moore losing one-on-one matchups missing tackles and I just wonder what what if not saying they should or they might do this, but I'm just asking the question. And for those uh, listening, I want to hear your answer as well. If you're listening on YouTube, please comment down below. If you got rid of Faison and Kenny Moore today, who would you fill in for those spots? Because obviously you have the nickel spot. What does Bradley want to do there? What what 
does his approach to this defense change now that Kenny Moore is out? Because again, you have to be considerate of Kenny Moore by the fact that he was just named a pro bowler, right? You can't just say, oh, you know what? We're not going to play you. I wonder if those two guys were not on the field, were not on the team rather, where would you go? Me personally, Marcus, I'm going to get you in here real quick. But before, I just want to give my, my my two cents. I think what you could possibly do is have Isaiah Rogers go in the nickel. I want to see him go inside. And then, what about Dallas Flowers going outside? Tall, long, especially what Gus Bradley wants in that other outside corner. Athletic, showed some solid things. That's That's my number one. Uh, you know, offer. But the second one would be uh, Isaiah Rogers, the outside corner. And then what about inserting Rodney Thomas there at nickel and putting Julian Blackman back at free safety? I, I'm that That's a little something I was thinking about during the game where Kenny Moore's missing tackles. He's missing the coverage assignments. Poor angles, Brandon face on poor angles, all, all the above that I said for Kenny Moore. What would this defense be like if these two were not on there? And to that and uh, to that question, your answer is what, Marcus? Yeah, uh, definitely think Flowers and Rogers would be the replacements. Of course, you add more height when you when you do that replacement. And I feel like you get a little bit more stability because both of these guys are better at tackling and better at coverage when you're asking them to do certain assignments. So I think I think that'd definitely be something to look for and it probably be intriguing. But I do think personally, if I had to get rid of them, I would probably get rid of Faison more than Kenny Moore because I feel like Kenny Moore can still do some type of damage. And you know, Faison definitely uh, I don't know what's going on with him, but everything is just off when it comes to his play. But I think Kenny Moore can still give you some type of ability to make some type of plays. But but for Faison, giving up that 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 drive when he scored is for sure the whole reason is why the Jaguars still had even type of chance to be in the game. So I mean, hey, it is what it is. But I definitely think it'll be more stability with Rodgers and Flowers if you got rid of them. But I don't think Kenny was going anywhere because I still feel like he could play some type of football. Definitely, guys. Definitely, and uh, again. They they just continue to be liabilities on defense. And for some reason, uh, Jacksonville happens to have Kenny Moore's number for some odd reason. I have no idea why, but uh, that, that we'll, we'll leave that conversation at that unless something, some report makes us start talking about it a little bit more. Uh, another thing getting into what we did not like was the run defense coming in. You were the number four ranked run defense in the NFL. Clearly, that was something Denver could not do on you on Thursday night, which is was a big reason. The defense was a big reason why you won in Denver. So coming into this game, I mean, something that's that's a theme so far in this season. Uh, I'm sure other teams are going through it. You, you know, other teams are going through it. But for the Colts, it's just what was their strength one week is their weakness the other. What was their strength for three weeks is their weakness for the next three weeks. It. In this game, okay, you know, taking you back down memory lane, the first two drives of the game, the first two drives, you allowed 84 yards rushing. 84 yards rushing. Jacksonville gets out to a 14-3 to lead. 
84 yards rushing in the first quarter. There are teams that don't reach 84 yards rushing in a game, and you allow that in a first quarter. And then you go at the 11:27 mark in the second quarter, okay? You're down zero, uh, no, 14-3, and Jacksonville just got the ball. On their first play, Marcus, Hasty goes 62 yards against a stacked box. Against a stacked box, single high safety, stacked box, boom, to the house for a touchdown. Now, on the back end, that's Rodney Thomas's uh, responsibility, and, we, and we, he showed that he could do that in the preseason, right? Remember against Detroit, against Tampa Bay, coming up from the from the third level in the defense, making a tackle, saving a touchdown, and on this one, he had a bad angle. He was out of position and had a bad angle, which allowed the uh the touchdown 62 yards was just bad and then you're coming out there was another play here that i want to track down here in this uh in this sheet here real quick 15 minutes oh yeah to come out the first play of halftime coming out and now it's the start of the third quarter the first play travis etn goes 27 yards Trevor Lawrence only attempted 21 passes in this game and completed two, which the Colts did not cause. One was an overthrow and one was just a drop. So we didn't even force any incompletions, Marcus. Them being able to get chunk yardages by the run game equates to much success in the pass game, which is, again, 19 of 21 for Trevor Lawrence. They, they, they have to be better. They have to be better. You know, is this a sign that, you know, is this due to Quiddy Pay being hurt? Because he he does do some good things in the run game. Yannick Ngakwe, is he a liability as a run defender? Maybe, maybe not. But there were some times where I thought Grover Stewart got in the backfield. I thought there were some times where he beat some. But obviously the design, the motion of the offensive line, throws you one way and the run is going to complete others. Some misdirection there. It was clever by Jacksonville to use that, obviously using Travis Etienne and uh, James Robinson. But I want to get your thoughts on this run defense. Just poor all, 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 the, all the way around for, for, for today. Yeah, the run defense was definitely terrible. And it's been bad for the last two, two games, in my opinion. Um, but I do think we're missing some key pieces on this defense that are pretty decent at helping stop the run. I mean, Grover Stewart has been an animal all season, and he's good at pass block, pass defense and run defense. So, I mean, of course, I mean, if you had Quiddy Pay, I think he helps from them outside. And then if you had Shaquille Leonard, I think he's another good piece at stopping the run. Those two guys that you do not have, um, it definitely plays a huge role. I was, I'll even go say Julian Blackman is pretty decent at tackling as well when it comes to run plays. But both of those guys... Or Pay and Leonard are two guys you need to help stop the damage on the run game. Uh, but for sure, I think the defense for for the hasty run, I think it was a terrible play call in my opinion because it was it was third and short. So I mean, I guess that Gus thinking they were going to run up the middle with a QB sneak to do something with Lawrence, but he kind of figured that out towards the end of the game, as you've seen when they did that option play. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And Lawrence just got stuffed when he tried to pitch it out to Travis Etienne. Uh, that play was blown up. So, I, like I said, I think it was miscommunication and a terrible play call by Gus Bradley that got that open. But um, definitely think they needed Shaquille and Quiddy Pay because those are two pieces that helped stop the run game. There, there was pluses and there was minuses to this defensive line. Obviously, the minus was the run defense, but the plus was getting after the quarterback today. You know, getting some sacks. You had DeForest Buckner. I believe it was on the first drive of, uh, or the second drive rather, no, the first drive of the game, Jacksonville's driving. You know, they're facing a third and nine. They're in field goal range. You know, it's 0-0 at this point. DeForest Buckner gets a sack. Why Trevor Lawrence held onto this ball so long? I don't know, but you know what? We'll take that, right? That's what we want for them to do. Quarterbacks making mistakes, our defensive linemen capitalizing on that. You went from a third and nine in field goal range that sack turned into four and 24. You're forced to punt. I thought that was one of, I think that was a top three uh, impact play of the game. Top, top three, which led to a Colts win today because is this game different if they get that three? If, if Trevor Lawrence just throws it away, what happens? What, what happens in this game? You know, you, you always want to get into conspiracy theories, hypotheticals and all that stuff, but DeForest Buckner being disruptive. And then you had Efidio Deniabo on, you know, this was to actually get the ball with our offense. Ophidio Odeniabo. Yeah, I can't uh, pronounce this guy's name. I'm sorry, Ophidio. Okay, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. But straight up manhandling Cam Robinson, the left tackle, and sacking Trevor Lawrence, forcing another third and long which eventually becomes a punt was big time you got Tyquan Lewis Tyquan Lewis making a big play obviously he he made a big one uh 722 mark in the second quarter sack also another one to force a punt so shout out to the to, to the defensive line man to for, for the pass rush because you remember in Jacksonville week two Trevor Lawrence could sit back there season his brisket throw it in the smoker, continue to check it. And he had all the time in the world, but guess what? That was not the, uh, that was not the premise today. That was not the case today. And the defensive line definitely showed up with Quiddy pay being out by the way. So huge shout out to them. I believe that'll do it for, for those segments, unless you had anything else that you wanted to add Marcus. Uh, no, just Rodney Thomas being, being amazing. Uh, I think that was another thing. And again, Deion Jackson is a guy I rooted for for two preseasons when we was talking about who's going to be running back three and all of these things. I mentioned Deion Jackson's ability to create and actually run the football and receive. I mentioned it in videos. I haven't mentioned it on Twitter, but I mean, you even seen it that flash in the Lions game in the preseason when he ran the ball to win like this dude is a flat out stud. Like if we if we had to keep him for the rest of the season, like I would not be opposed to that decision, but that comes towards the draft conversation if we was going to trade for anybody, but that's another topic for another day, but Jackson is definitely he's definitely a dog, man. I'm I'm glad he made the roster for sure. 
Yeah, two guys. You mentioned uh, Rodney Thomas, obviously, and I tweeted earlier uh, in the game, and I was I was quite serious about this. To me, it, it seems to me, Marcus, that the Colts might have another Malik Hooker, Julian Blackman situation. An injury happens, safety comes in, and he's making plays. Rodney Thomas, the play that I mentioned earlier, uh, a 62-yard run against a stacked box, single high safety. That one play out of position, bad angle, that's like the one bad play I can remember of Rodney Thomas for three starts that he's had already. That's one play. One play. I legitimately think that that you should probably keep him in there. And Julian Blackman was active today. Now, we'll see the, the official report tomorrow about the snap counts and everything once those numbers come in. But I don't remember seeing Julian Blackman at any point on the defense. I don't remember him coming in for one play. And if you're Julian Blackman, whew, what are you thinking there, Marcus? What, what, what are you thinking there? I'm healthy. Got my got my helmet. I'm active. Hey, coach. Hey, man. What's good? Oh, okay. You're just gonna keep playing Rodney Thomas. Okay. You know, I, I felt <laughs> I was thinking to my head, have you ever seen the movie Friday Night Lights? Okay, remember when Booby Miles comes back from injury and he's on the sideline and they haven't played him and he's just like, put me in, coach. Put me in. Put Booby in, you get good things, you know, and, and they're just ignoring him and he just keeps yelling on the sideline. I kept thinking to myself, is is that what's going on right now? Like your starter is on the sideline and I'm pretty sure he's just wondering, hello, I'm down here. It was reported that he is on a pitch count. I don't know what that pitch count was, Marcus. I would not be surprised if he did not get one snap on defense. I'm calling it now. I don't remember seeing him out there. Uh, before we jump into fan questions, Twitter questions, Facebook questions, obviously when we put those out, um, we'll get to those in a little bit. Before before we do that, I want to shout out one more player. That's got to go to EJ Speed, man. This linebacker room has they, – they have beaten and eclipsed all of our expectations for this group. Zaire Franklin, Bobby Okereke, EJ Speed – Oh, man, the Maniac's not here. Shaquille Leonard's not here. This team is going to struggle with the linebackers. They're going to struggle against Kansas City. And that's not the case, man. Zaire Franklin had a really good game against Kansas City. He had a really good game in Denver. Today, EJ Speed, what another, I mentioned earlier, DeForest Buckner, that sack, was a top three impact play of the game. This, I believe, is number two impact play, uh, play of the game. Let me find it right here. At the, at the one minute and 15 mark of the third quarter, Jacksonville has a little bit momentum. They're getting a couple first, first downs, and they're at midfield. Fourth and one. Doug Peterson wants to go for it. They try a pitch, all right? EJ Speed has perfect discipline in closing speed and nails Travis Etienne. Turnover on downs. Colts get the ball. They score on that next drive. That was an impact play that I want to shout out uh, EJ Speed on, man. Really great, man. I've I've wanted to see EJ Speed for a while. <sighs> man, I'm not going to get this crazy, but if, if Shaquille Leonard wanted to take the rest of the year off, I wouldn't be upset. I, I'm not going to get blasphemous. He is – does he take this defense to a whole nother level? I'm pretty sure he does. 
punching the ball out, creating turnovers. That is what he does, and that's something he could bring to an already good defense. That's what he can bring. So I'm not in any way going to get blasphemous, but it just makes me think, like, I think we could be okay if if he didn't play this season. But obviously, we need you back, Maniac, all right? So that's, that's going to do it for what we liked, what we didn't like, guys. Uh, hope hope you enjoyed those two th- those segments right there. We're gonna jump into fan questions here um, here right now. So let's go ahead and start. I had a few on Facebook. The first one coming from Simon Bumgardy. Bumgardy, are we surprised we never saw an Ellinger package, especially with so many running backs out? Marcus, are are you surprised? Are are you surprised that you didn't see Sam Ellinger at all? No, because I didn't want to see him at all. Like, have we not? Are we watching the same game? Like, Matt Ryan literally was carving the Jaguars defense the whole game. Like, of course, we have moments where it's like, all right, we can hit Jelani Woods here, or all right, we can hit Michael Pippen Jr. here. Like, this game was not needed for a Sam Elliott package. Just because he dressed, it was just emergency situations due to what we had going on. Like, I just guess we trusted Nick, uh, Sam Elliott over Nick Foles if worst case scenario happened, I mean, I didn't think it was for a package. Like, of course we can drop the package every now and then. If I want to see the package, I will see it against the Tennessee Titans more than the Jacksonville Jaguars, because that'll catch them off guard knowing the Titans. But, but personally, I wasn't surprised because I didn't want to see it anyway. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not buying too much into Sam Ellinger jumping Nick Foles on the depth chart. I mean, even when Nick Foles jumped, Sam Ellinger for run for quarterback two. We never saw any plays for Nick Foles. So why should we expect any for, for Sam Ellinger? You know, is he progressing as a quarterback? I'm sure he is. I'm happy that he is, you know, he he's been through a lot. He's a fighter. He does the right things. He does what he's coached to do. He does what he's asked of him. And he, he he's an ultimate pro uh, from what I've been told. So I'm not surprised that we saw him, that we didn't see him out there, especially when you had CJ Verdell and Devontae Price uh, both activated from the practice squad called up there, and they were both active. So, And for that reason, I thought that they were taking over special team snaps from Deion Jackson and Phillip Lindsey for those reasons, because obviously you need them to stay fresh for the running back reps. Another question here from Simon, is this the best line combination? When and where do you want to see – Bernard Ryman again. Me personally, only time I want to see him uh, is in spot duty. If if Dennis Kelly gets hurt, if maybe even if uh, Braden Smith gets hurt, do I like Ryman potentially at right tackle more than I do Matt Pryor? Yes, I do. So we've already seen Matt Pryor at right tackle. We know what kind of disaster that is for this season. Let's not go back to it. But the, I I just don't. I just don't think he's ready, Marcus. I, I I just don't. He he proved that Thursday night. I'm not I'm not trying to hold that against him. And then he had two shaky uh drives in this game. And who knows if he would have stayed in this whole game, who knows if Matt Ryan zero times he was sacked holds up. No fumbles today. Who knows if that holds up? Uh that was kind of my worry. You know, are you going from two bad tackles to two more bad tackles? You know, that, that that's just not a uh, good thing for me personally. So I think um, this combination, Dennis Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Matt Pryor, Braden Smith, 
58 dropbacks, zero sacks. I think it's pretty hard to sit there and talk about, oh, yeah, let's go ahead and start Bernard Ryman again. I don't think you can do that, man. Yeah, that, that, this is the lineup that you need to, to win. Um, well, to have some type of success on offense, I should say. Uh, Bernard, I think he needs to earn his reps through the offseason and preseason. So I think it's going to be a tough journey for him. Uh, but he could still maintain a roster spot just in case if anything happens to any of the offensive linemen. I think you can plug him in, and he'll probably have more success in that scenario. But as as for, for right now, this is the best five that you use for the Colts. Definitely. I do. We do appreciate the questions as well, Simon. Thank you for listening in, and thank you for uh, asking the questions. This one coming from Destiny Estrada. Got to ask, how do we get Jonathan Taylor back to his numbers from last season uh the fact that he's already missed two games missed half of another game i think if you bring back 2020's offensive line same age everything and then you hand the ball off to him 500 times i think that's where you get him uh but uh seriously speaking i think with this Offensive line now that I hope they go with moving forward. Nelson, Kelly, Pryor, mainly in the interior, mainly focusing on the interior. I think that can actually help the run game a little bit more now because ever since that week one where you saw Jonathan Taylor run wild, ever since then, it's just been about he's earned every yard he's gotten. And from multiple offensive line changes, Braden Smith coming in, coming out, Ryan Kelly being hurt, Danny Pinter starting, uh, Quentin Nelson, you know, having a one good game, one bad game, Matt Pryor going from left tackle to right tackle to right guard. I think now that I, that I believe you have an established interior offensive line, I think you can find more, uh, what, what am I trying to call it? You can find more stability in your run game. So, Again, I don't want to see 25, 30 carries for Jonathan Taylor every week. I also don't want to see 58 dropbacks for Matt Ryan. Maybe keep that number around 35, the carries around 30, maybe five for Naheem Hines and, you know, spread them around, not trying to drive this man into the ground here. But I think with the improved offensive line play, and especially honing in on this uh, starting five, I, I think you can get there. Yeah, for for Jonathan Taylor, go back to his natural self or what we was talking about in his past seasons. I don't think it's going to happen again. Um, I think he'll have sporadic moments where he'll have big runs or big or big apps like that. Because uh, we've seen it with Jackson. Like, he had some lanes and he's seen them and he ran them. And I was like, man, if that was Jonathan Taylor, because I wanted him back to this game, I was like, he probably would have had that same effect. Uh, but definitely think he'll have his moments. I don't think he'll have that type of that type of year again. But I still think he'll be a nice running back. Uh, I think he'll still be like at least top five to top 10 in the NFL whenever he comes back because now we have an offensive line. And I mentioned on a previous show on here, I said the offensive line is doing a lot of damage to Jonathan Taylor and Matt Ryan. They can't be their normal selves. And I think now that we have a little bit of stability, I think that helps Jonathan Taylor tremendously when he comes back for sure. Like I say, he'll still be top 10 in the NFL when he returns, but I don't think he'll have that year again. Yeah, definitely. Also, so far this season when Jonathan Taylor has been in, again, I've I've mentioned it in past shows, I feel like he's just missing holes. He's 
Something about the run game is not right when he's in. It's just not moving. Some of it, obviously, is the offensive line, but also some of it is just Jonathan Taylor's not seeing these openings that the offensive line does rarely um, create for him. So that's another thing to take into account. I'm not sure if you're going to get back to those numbers. Me, personally, I don't want to get back to those numbers because I want to be a very good passing offense. Uh, But other than that, for what I believe Destiny's main point of this question is, can we get back to if we need to run the football, can we do that effectively? Can we go 10 straight plays and go 50 yards, 60 yards, 70 yards with the run game? I don't know. I don't know if that's this team this year. Moving on to a couple going to Twitter now. We got Jay Robbins, writer of the Blue Stable. Which rookie impressed you the most? Alec Pierce's game-winning catch. Rodney Thomas II's touchdown-saving tackles. I believe he had about three of those. Or Jelani Woods' contested touchdown grab and his blocking. Marcus, where, where would you go with this one? Alec Pierce, for sure. Alec Pierce winning the game for us was probably the biggest play. Uh, even though the other guys definitely made a couple of game game saving plays, especially Thomas, but I think Alec Pierce that one on one in the end zone to win the game, I think that that pretty much canceled all the other moments because that won us the game in general. Yeah, I, I like that option. I'm gonna go a different direction. I'm gonna go with Jelani Woods. You know, I'm gonna go with him because for a rookie tight end, rookie tight end, those. Those are hard to get productions when you're a rookie, and especially if you're a raw, tall guy like like a Jelani Woods. The fact that he's getting opportunities in the red zone and he's capitalizing on them, he's doing good things with these reps and these opportunities, as a rookie tight end, that's hard to do. And you don't see that too often in the NFL with those rookie tight ends as well. I mean, you go back with Jeremy Ruckert. What was his stat line in his rookie year? You go back to guys like Rob Gronkowski, even go back to Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, those guys, what were their stat lines and who are they are today? The fact that Jelani Woods is getting these looks and touches in the red zone and he's capitalizing on them week after week after week, that just shows that not only does Matt Ryan trust in him, not only does Frank Wright trust him to be out there, but also his confidence within himself to start making plays on the regular week in and week out. And if you have a guy like that in your tight end room, man, who that confidence level is now going up and up and up and up. And I remember asking him, uh, and y'all can check this out, by the way, we sat down with John Woods. He was made available to us. And my question to him was, do, do you believe that you should be in the red zone? Should you be, on every play that is inside the red zone. And if you want to go watch his response, definitely go check that uh, that availability out on the Blue Stable uh, YouTube page. So, yeah, uh, Marcus is going to go with Alec Pierce game winning. I'm going to go with Jelani Woods. But, man, we can't leave out Rodney Thomas, though, man, for seventh-round rookie, game-saving tackles. This man, he just makes plays, man. What can I say? Got that Yale degree. Already calculating in his head, running down, okay, I need to go. The circumference that I need to run at is 95 miles per hour. At this many feet, I'll get there at this many seconds, whatever the case may be. I don't know, man. This dude, hella smart, hella smart. Moving on here, we got from Dr. P at the Greekster. 
Do you see Deion Jackson taking touches away from Hines? Thank you for your excellent work. Appreciate that, Dr. P. We, we really appreciate that and your uh, support for, for the Blue Stable. My, my response to this, I mean, th th think about it like this, Marcus. Let me read the question again. Do you see Deion Jackson taking touches away from Naheem Hines? For me, it comes down to this. You already have one position group where you're paying a guy X amount of money and then this guy is now jumping him in production. Who am I talking about? Yes, Mo Ali Cox. Got me zero damn points of fantasy today. Oh, yeah, his ass going to be cut tomorrow. Um, I think Mo Ali Cox getting a three-year, $18 million contract. You're investing in him to be tight end one yet he's giving you tight end 10 production. You got Jelani Woods over, oh, overstepping him in that department. Touchdowns, catches, yards, all that. Already, the rookie. Do you want that at your running back? Do you want that at another skill position, Marcus? Do you really think as a GM, you would want the guys making less money having less experience taking touches away from the guys you're paying to get touches. I don't think, I don't think Jackson's going to be taking reps away from Hans when he returns. I think it opens a window because none of this was really occurring when Hines was playing. Like everything was, was gone bad, but you see the different tempo and the pace and the layups and the attempts, all of these things has changed this game. I think this just opens it up for when Hines returns. Those players are going to be there for him that Jackson was doing today. So I don't think it takes away from him. I think this opens the opportunity for him when he comes back. Yeah, I, I, I like where you went with that. Another aspect where I'll take it a step further is that I see a way that you can use all three running backs in your game plan. You know, if like, like I said, don't give Jonathan Taylor 30, 25 carries. Give him 20 carries. And if you don't want to give those other carries to Naheem Hines, because maybe he's too small, he's not strong enough, whatever the case may be, give those carries to Deion Jackson. Give those to him and keep Naheem Hines in those pass down plays. Boom. Obviously, you don't want to sell out, and obviously that's your game plan. Anytime Naheem Hines is in the game, it's a pass play. You don't want to do that. But again, getting creative. Where are the two running back sets? Where are the 21 personnel? Where is all that at? I have no idea, or the 12 personnel, sorry. Where is all that at? Come on now. We, we need a little bit more creativity because for me personally, I don't care about Naheem Hines getting carries. I care about Naheem Hines getting receptions, which is what he's being paid to do and why he got the contract that he did. So again, going back to it, do we really want two position groups where the starters making money are getting touches taken away from them? I don't think... You know, return on investment, basically. Take it to, to another level of business. What is your return on investment? I'm putting X amount of money into this into these two guys, but I'm getting more benefits and results from these guys I'm paying less. Come on now. Uh, I, I don't want to see that. But at the end of the day, I think there's a way uh, after these two games, obviously, I think there's a way Deion Jackson gets some carries. Definitely, definitely. Moving on here, and again, thank you for that question, Dr. P. Moving on here, 
that wimpy deer at Walsh Colts 18. Three-part question. So we got a three-parter. All right. Why do we think the run defense was poor today? Was it scheming by Gus to avoid the West Coast passes? Quick release, parentheses. Um, we saw from Lawrence last time we met. Or was it the absence of pay speaking to how underrated he is? So let's break this down, obviously, by the three part, uh, the three questions. Why do we think the run defense was so poor today? Uh, not crashing enough gaps. Linebackers not getting to those, uh, staying to their gaps. They're not, they don't, they didn't have much gap discipline. And also the the Jaguars, another thing is Jaguars, I think, did a solid job getting to the second level from their guards. I think they did do a solid job there. So I do want to give credit to Jacksonville in that. But also, I didn't see Grover Stewart penetrating the line like he always does. I didn't see him doing that in the second half. I didn't see Grover uh, DeForest Buckner doing it. I didn't see Yannick Ngakwe doing it. I felt Taekwon Lewis was getting there a, a little bit more. So not winning your reps up front is clearly going to already open up the run game. And then if your linebackers are getting, you know, blocked, then you're in for a rude awakening there. So that's the first one. Was it scheming by Gus to avoid the West Coast passes we saw from Lawrence last time we met? I don't think it was because if you go back to this, if you, if you rewatch the game, the ball's coming out just as fast in this game. Again, 19 completions, 21 attempts. You're still getting the ball out quick, fast, and in a hurry, and they're being completed. I didn't see too much of a change with it because I thought Taekwon Lewis filled in pretty adequ adequately for, for Quiddy Pay in this game, pass rush and run defense-wise. Um, so I don't think it was that, scheming. I, I, I think he just – there was a difference I saw in the secondary, you know, dropping a little bit more coverage back, getting a little bit more tricky with, you know, disguising your coverages a little bit, showing some blitz and then backing off a little bit making it making trevor lawrence second guess a little bit more but in the end he really wasn't again 19 for 21 so i want to get your thoughts on on this one uh marcus was or was it the absence of quitty pay speaking to how underrated he was in terms of why the run defense was poor i think like i said i think it has something to do a lot with pay and shaquille not being there because they're good they're good at stopping the run um, I think the scheme, like I said, it was just miscommunication and bad angles when it comes to tackling uh, to stop the run. Another thing that was an issue to it. Um, but most of all, we just have to give flat-out credit to Doug Peterson and their offensive scheme that they did to get those breaks. Because when you look at it, the big run by Hasty on third down, they were running, the, they were passing the football. They were doing QB sneaks. And then when it came to Hasty, that wasn't in the whole game. He sees the football, and nobody's nobody's game planning for this guy on that big run. Of course, you're used to seeing Thomas on the single high, but I think he was on the opposite side of the field and he crashed the middle. And then when Hasty bounces out right, it's too late for Thomas to turn around and try to catch him because Hasty's just gone. So like I said, I think it just got to give credit to the game plan that Doug Peterson drew up to defeat the uh, the Colts on the run defense. I think that has more to do than what, than what you know, missing pay and everything. I just think it was just better game plan. Um, coming coming into it for sure. Got got a couple more here uh, from Twitter. From Twitter, next one is going to come from Aiden uh, on Twitter. 
dash three, two and one, obviously representing the Colts record there. Uh, how can we fix the run blocking? Taylor needs to be able to run through the holes and there's barely any opening. Well, again, that was just simple guys not doing their job. That was when you had Danny Pinter uh, in, in the lineup. That's when you had Will Fries in the lineup. You had Braden Smith in the lineup. I'm, well, I don't think Braden Smith kicked inside when Jonathan Taylor was in the game. So really, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson having subpar performances at the beginning of the season. Danny Pinter not holding up well in run game. Now, I believe it's going to be a completely different line. Well, not completely different, but Nelson, I believe his game has started to get a little bit more better. Back to that level we expect of Quentin Nelson. Um, and then you got Matt Pryor sliding in at right guard. And then Dennis Kelly and Braden Smith, who are solid run uh, blocking guys. Now they're at tackle. You know, Ryman or Pryor, you don't have that liability out there in run blocking at left tackle or either tackle spots. So Matt Pryor showing the ability to get to the second level a little bit better today at right guard. I thought it was much better from Quentin Nelson in this game. Ryan Kelly, again, little spotty, but, you know, uh, are they going to consider a change? I don't think so because of what you're paying him. But at the same time, um, I know there were some people, Marcus, that were wondering why would Braden Smith not be at right guard and start Dennis Kelly at right tackle. Well, the biggest reason why was that you're paying Braden Smith to be a right tackle, $85 million. You're not paying him to be a right guard. You're paying him to be a right tackle. So why would you take your only good tackle away and have two liabilities on your side, on, on your tackles, two, two sides? Why would you do that? So I believe having this offensive line now, that, that will help uh, Jonathan Taylor in the run game. Yeah, I, I also agree. We we concluded to it earlier. I think this offensive line has been the most stable out of all out of all year. And then you've seen like you've seen the potential of what the run block can do with this line as well, with Jackson back there. I mean, I mean, even on the goal line on the two point conversions with Philly Lindsay ran it up the middle. Like I mean that that wasn't possible two weeks ago. So <laughs> I think I think this offensive line is the best formation that we can use going forward. And I think, you know, when Jonathan Taylor comes back, he's going to see some gaps and he's actually probably going to hit them. So I do think this offensive line is going to help him moving forward. And this might be the best rotation you use. Definitely, definitely. Going to the last one here. Welcome to Penny Hani. Whatever that, that name is, welcome to Penny Hani on Twitter. The, the last one here. How is Brandon Faison still starting and out-snapping Rodgers? Man, if we had the answer to that, we'd probably be inside the Colts building, right? Uh, how is he? I don't know. The run defense hasn't been good. The pass defense, pass coverages have not been good. He can't, he doesn't break on the ball well. His, his reaction, his instincts don't seem to be there or be as good as Isaiah Rodgers. So, why again i go back that that drive in uh i believe it was in the let me see here uh going back in the third quarter that drive alone he was picked on and the jaguars went down and got six points why right there i thought that would have been good enough to just get him out of the game yeah, I I don't I don't understand. Like I said, I mentioned earlier, it has to be a lot of familiarity with Gus with Gus Bradley himself, coming from the same team, and you know Gus is like, oh, 
bring this guy in. So I think Gus has faith in him. I feel like that's the only reason why he's still seeing snaps over Isaiah. I mean, but at this point, it's like, come on, Gus. Like, you can't keep vouching for this guy if he's going to get burnt toast every time he's on the field. And then he's poor at tackling at that. Bad angles. Can't seem to stop anybody. Not even Hasty, who's a third-string running back. Like, it's only a matter of time when they're going to have to make that announcement. So, hopefully it's this week, and that's the last of face on. <laughs> hopefully that's the last of face on, right? Like, this is a freaking Marvel movie. Um, but But at the end of the day, oh, yeah, real quick before we get out of here. Marcus, have you gotten a chance to see Halloween Ends? Uh, no, but I did see a lot of spoilers on Twitter. I hated that movie. I hated I'm not going to give out spoilers, but I feel like the movie was like an hour and 50 minutes. There was like an hour and 30 that really was not needed. That was not needed whatsoever. Like, what was the point? of that storyline why uh it, it was just a complete flop of a movie man i had to get that off my chest i spent hard-earned money on that crap and i freaking uh emailed cinemark hr and asked for a refund because this is just not that this is not okay um and i'm, a no, big I'm in the same fan. i'm in the same boat of a uh, waste of money to see something and it's not playing to its potential so i understand right right uh i mean i feel like so far the colts owe me about two hundred dollars and and um and payments you know for for what we've been forced to watch but other than that guys this has been another episode of the blue stable podcast guys if you haven't already if you enjoyed the stable if you enjoyed this episode make sure you give it a like a big thumbs up and make sure you hit the notification bell that way you are notified anytime content drops on the blue stable page we are dropping segments from our shows our fantasy uh table podcast that we have with luke burkamp our photographer and web designer for the blue stable he does that with theo france really solid guy knows his stuff really big at the fantasy make sure you check those guys out as well and make sure to leave a subscribe subscribe to the channel as well and if you had any other questions for us or opinions about what we have said on this show make sure you drop it down in the comment section below so before we get out of here marcus you got anything else we love you ronnie thomas thank you alec pierce and gilmore that flag wasn't your fault absolutely and uh, man we're just gonna forget about alec pierce there or did you mention him nah, i said alec pierce I said oh, okay thank you. I, I don't know why i heard something else but yes yeah, shout out to those guys the rookies man Rodney Thomas, Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods. Boy, after today, I got to admit, man, after today, Chris Ballard was laughing on his way home. He was laughing on his way home. So, But, hey, it resulted in a Colts win, so we don't care, right? So, all well, man. So, we'll see you guys next week with our preview of another much-needed win against the Tennessee Titans, and we will definitely have that show ready for you guys as well next Friday. So, make sure you tune in. And make sure you are also following on Twitter. Those links will be in the description below. Take care. We'll see you guys later. Have a blessed week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.